Hello there, music teacher friends. <laughs> Welcome to episode 113 of the Beyond Measure podcast. My name is Christina Whitlock, your host and self-proclaimed anytime piano teacher friend. I am here and ready to guide you through another timely ponderance of studio music teacher life. <laughs> Today, we tackle an excellent topic that was brought to me by a faithful listener of the podcast. In a recent communication, Stephanie said, will you please talk about how to determine whether or not a student is ready to pass a piece of music? <laughs> well, Stephanie, ask and you shall receive. Today, we are looking at the age-old piano teacher question of <laughs> to pass or not to pass. <laughs> Buckle up, friends. I think this is an important one. Before we get into the meat of today's episode, I wanted to offer one quick heads up that I am gearing up to send out another round of the Beyond Measure Podcast Insiders Report. <laughs> I'll be sending that out on Wednesday of this week, so be looking for that in your inbox. If you are not already subscribed to my email list, I happen to think that you should get on it. <laughs> the Insider Report is a more personal look at what I have going on in my teacher life, plus a rundown of things that I just know you're going to appreciate knowing about. You can get on that list at christinawhitlock.com slash subscribe, or you can check out the link in today's episode notes. All right, now on to today's episode topic, to pass or not to pass. <laughs> oh, it really is the question sometimes, isn't it? Let's say Bobby Joe comes in and plays the same piece he's been working on all month long. <laughs> you know, that piece that you expected him to finish in one week. But there are still some nagging issues there. Either his rhythm is still wrong in measure 27, or he still has no dynamic inflection, or whatever the case may be. When is enough? enough? Well, I have to say, this is a question you obviously have to take on a case-by-case -case basis. There is no single way to qualify when a student should move on from a piece, but I do have a few guiding parameters that I will share today. First and foremost, in situations like this, Many teachers feel liberated by just knowing that it is okay to release a student from a piece before it is concert ready. <laughs> Consider this your permission slip. Look, life is too short and there is too much great music to play to spend your time on pieces that are past <laughs> their expiration date. And I use that term expiration date because I really do think there is an ideal window of time a student is going to have with a piece before it, well, goes sour. And 
much like that milk in your fridge, sometimes a piece can surprise you by lasting longer than you think it will. But also, sometimes it might go bad more quickly than you'd planned. Because every student is going to respond to every piece a little differently, we need to consistently evaluate progress each week and figure out when a piece really is past its expiration date. I think most of us have been in a position where we have assigned a piece to a student like week after week, but for whatever reason, our lesson time keeps getting directed towards other pieces. And that neglected work just kind of drags on and on on the assignment list, not because the student is struggling with it, but because it's not getting a lot of our attention. And when we do finally get around to working on that piece, students often seem to feel like irrationally discouraged by it. And you know why? Even if they haven't been working on it actively, there is something about having it on their mental to-do list for a long period of time that makes them feel like they are never going to get it. From the moment a piece goes on that assignment sheet, the countdown towards this imaginary expiration date starts ticking. I just think this is really important to be mindful of. And sometimes this means the best decision we can make is to simply let a piece go if it's gone sour. But how we address letting a piece go is also really important. I never want my students to feel like we have abandoned a piece just because it's too challenging. I mean, that might be the case secretly, but I don't want my student to feel like they just couldn't hack it. (laughs) So there are a few considerations here. Number one, I try to eliminate the idea that we have ever truly, quote, mastered a piece of music. I mean, isn't there always something more that we can do? My students know when we are getting ready to wrap up a piece of music, I'll often talk through the aspects of the piece that my piano teacher ears were really listening for. I will tell them the concept that I really wanted them to address in this piece. And as long as that goal has been met, they are free to move on from it. If I find myself questioning whether or not it's time to move on, I will often leave that decision up to the student. This is especially true with my adult students, but also with my youngers. My students and I talk a lot about the idea of leveling up their playing, just like one advances to a new level in a video game. Achieving level one is when they've done everything that they absolutely have to do with a piece. (laughs) Correct notes, correct rhythms, you get it. Whatever that one concept was that I told them my piano teacher ears were listening for, Achieving that thing is level one. At that point, I will often ask my students if they are interested in spending another week leveling up. This could be increasing tempo to something more virtuosic, 
It could also be more detailed phrase shaping or whatever. Sometimes a student will like a piece so much that they will want to spend another week leveling it up. That is great with me. I think the more choice we give our students, the better. And obviously, students know that recital and competition repertoire is going to be leveled up as high as we can get it. But everyday method pieces... I don't really think it's necessary to dig deep into each and every single one of them. As long as your student is showing evidence of a growing ability to cross-apply concepts between pieces, I think we're in good shape. Additionally, this question of to pass or not to pass as with most aspects of our teaching, requires very careful consideration of the student in front of you. You need to think about what they need and what motivates them. Longtime listeners of this podcast may recall an episode that I did in my first year called Cheers to One Word for Teachers. It's episode number 12, back when this was just a little baby podcast. But I always find myself thinking about that topic these days because the internet is full of people talking about their one word selections at the start of a new year, right? My idea of one word for teachers is a little bit different. Rather than asking students to choose words for themselves which is also great, I challenge myself to choose one word for each of my students. It's usually one word describing what I feel like they most need from their lessons or how I want them to feel in their piano study. I write that word on an index card and I keep those index cards in my line of sight during the lesson, but out of their sight. I won't summarize the entire episode here, but I will link to it in the show notes because I happen to think it's a good concept. I mentioned this whole one word thing because for me, that is a tremendous guide when it comes to this question of whether or not a student is ready to let a piece go. Knowing the one word that I have chosen for my student helps me focus on my big picture goal for them. I'll give you an example. Let's say my word for Bobby Joe was consistency. We'll pretend that Bobby Joe has immense natural ability, but he doesn't always put forth the effort that I'm looking for. I want Bobby Joe to develop a more consistent result from his playing. And in that case, I might need to stick to my guns and insist that he really, truly fix that wonky tempo or those flyaway fingers. But let's say Bobby Joe's word was confidence. Let's pretend that Bobby Joe suffers from very low self-esteem and I want him to really see himself as a musician. In a case like this, I believe quantity of pieces studied really matters. 
getting a student to feel confident in their musician skin is difficult if they don't feel like they are making forward progress. And one of the more quantifiable ways we can help them see progress is to let them experience passing multiple pieces. Does this mean that I have to compromise my standards? Absolutely not. It does mean that I have to make sure I am assigning the right kinds of pieces, though. I need this less confident Bobby Joe to experience some quick wins. I need to give him engaging, attainable pieces that he is going to accomplish in a shorter time frame. Now, are there certain non-negotiables when it comes to passing repertoire? Of course there are. And each teacher is going to have their own. But I have to mention this. Let's say a student has had a smaller piece for two to three weeks now, and they are still playing a particular rhythm incorrectly. There was a time in my earlier teaching days where I would dig in really deep and I would insist they kept playing that piece until that one rhythm came back fixed the very first time they played it for me the following week. Well, I am honestly not nearly that stubborn anymore, and I'll tell you why. Whatever the student's hang-up is, you have to ask yourself this. Is the concept the problem, or are you just dealing with a bad habit in a specific piece? If a student has simply gotten a particular rhythm wrong in their mind, but they do actually understand how the note values function in the meter of that piece, I feel like you can let that one go. I suggest marking the issue in their score so they know to be mindful of it if they ever decide to come back at a later date and play it. But there is just too much music out there to keep students stuck on the same piece for too long. In fact, I am known to believe that all piano teacher solutions lead back to more repertoire. (laughs) Let's say you decide the student really doesn't understand the concept of how that rhythm functions in triple meter. This is obviously a really big deal, and it needs to be conquered ASAP. But does that concept have to be taught in that one specific piece? Not necessarily. Can you pull two or three other pieces from your library to help them experience the same concept while still giving them the relief of moving on from a piece? Absolutely you can. And you don't even have to pretend like they've mastered it or anything, or they don't even have to be done with it forever. I think in that case, an honest statement of, you know, this concept is really important. So let's do just kind of a refresh this week and start a new piece that uses that same rhythm. But we're going to circle back onto this one in a couple of weeks once you've had a little break. I think something like that is going to work really well. For me, it all really boils down to this. Our repertoire is merely a vehicle to help our students understand how to play their instrument, 
not vice versa. Does that make sense? Because I know for a long time, my teaching was focused on learning how to play repertoire. And look, you are not going to find a more enthusiastic lover of the music repertoire than me. I mean, look no further. But at the end of the day, I want my students to understand how to play the piano, to understand harmonic functions and articulations and what gestures produce which sounds. And I may do that through the repertoire, but playing a concept correctly in one piece does not equate to mastery of said concept. So I'm curious, are you teaching your students how to play their instrument or are you teaching them how to play the repertoire? <laughs> I hope the answer is a little bit of both. Okay, I promise I'm wrapping up here in a moment, but I want to close with what I'm going to call <laughs> the red flags of finishing up repertoire. So first of all, while I think it's okay to abandon pieces on occasion, we can't abandon half-accomplished works too often, right? <laughs> this probably goes without saying. To go back to my gaming analogy, my students know that they can't be complacent with that level one type of work all the time. Likewise, my second red flag is the fact that sometimes you have to make students move on. I've had some adult students over the years, especially, who really get fixated on one specific piece. And hear me out, I am all for digging deep on things. But again, there is a lot of music out there to be played. And sometimes a fresh start on something new is exactly what the doctor ordered. Lastly, I would just warn again about acting like any piece is actually ever truly finished. As we've been discussing the past few weeks, throwing back to a previously explored piece can be highly effective in your teaching. I often give my students this speech. I'll say something like, now I'm not going to include this piece on your formal assignment anymore but I sure hope you keep playing it from time to time. If you ever feel like playing it for me again, I would love to listen to it. All right, friends, I know that I have run over time this week. Sorry about that. We will do a quick toast and I will get you on your merry way. Music teacher friends from all over the world. Today, I hope that you feel empowered to run your lessons your own way. <laughs> no one is waiting outside your door, waiting to strip you of your credentials if you let your student move on from a stale piece of music. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> Throughout my musical life, I have found that few things are as motivating as the thrill of new repertoire. <laughs> Use that to your advantage. Don't just assign pieces for the sake of assigning pieces, but be mindful of what skills and concepts you want to develop in the student sitting across from you. If it means skipping a piece in the method book, do it. 
if it means resequencing your assignments so they better fit that student's needs, then do it. <laughs> this is me sitting here writing you your permission slip. <laughs> this is not always the easiest route to take, but it sure is more enjoyable. I raise my glass to you, my committed studio teacher friends. <laughs> here, here. Thanks for listening to me tackle this big question today, friends. There is a lot more to say on this topic, but I hope I got your wheels turning in a positive direction. Don't forget to sign up for that insider's report at christinawhitlock.com slash subscribe. You're always welcome to message me on Facebook or Instagram at Beyond Measure Podcast. And again, please be sure to check out the show notes for this episode at christinawhitlock.com slash episode 113. Thanks so much, teacher friends onward and upward toward giving yourselves permission to teach the way that you best see fit.